Time for a quick break to talk about McDonald's. Listen up, McNugget fans. Now you can get a 20-piece Chicken McNuggets with a basket of fries for $8. That's a whole lot of food for a little price. Be sure to get extra dipping sauce. Speaking of extra, you can add on a frozen beverage like a frozen Coca-Cola, any size, for just $1.49. Hurry to McDonald's and get this great deal. Or save time and order ahead on the McDonald's app. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Hey there, friends. You're listening to Chatology with Angie Elkins. And today, we're having conversations that matter. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Chatology. I'm Angie Elkins, your host. Guys, I'm so glad you're here. You're not going to believe who's on the show today. Well, you probably already know because you read it in the title. But guys, it's Jody Benson. And for those of you who do not know or recognize her name, she's the Little Mermaid. She is the original voice of Ariel from The Little Mermaid, my favorite princess. And so if you are a Disney fan, if you're a performer in any way, but goodness, if you just have dreams, you're going to love this episode. Jody and I talk about her journey to becoming The Little Mermaid, how she got there, how she decided to finally write a book after she, honestly, she didn't ever want to write a book, but she felt like it was time. And number three, how she encourages all of us to find our gifting, no matter what it is. You may not be a singer or a performer. You may be an electrician or a teacher, whatever your gift is. She gives us great advice for how to find that gift and how to go for it. You are going to be so inspired. So guys, here's my conversation with Jody Benson. Jody Benson, welcome to Chatology. Yes. Thank you so much, Angie, for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I am thrilled that you are here. For our listeners, they all know you as the Little Mermaid, uh, but you are a theater vet. You have done tons of stuff on Broadway and film and all of the places, and now you're an author. Well, I don't know about that. Writing <laughs> <laughs> uh, a book was never on, never on my list. It's something I never wanted to do in a million years, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, so Tyndale just kind of called in February 2020. I said, absolutely not. Thank you so much, but no way. Called back in March and um, said, listen, what if if it's not an autobiography? It's not a memoir. It's not a tell-all. What if we just share, you know, like a few little snippets of stories and you can Mm. use it more like a thank you letter for people on their journey and like a love letter towards Disney? And I said, okay, I, I think I can work with that. And then my brother, who's an author, he's the author in the family, not me. And (laughs) he said, listen, if like one person picked up your book and read one little story and they felt either like encouraged or they felt like, hey, I never thought of that before. Or, you know, man, she really made a ton of mistakes on that. Maybe I'm going to take, you know, try something different than what she did. Then Mm -hmm. I kind of felt like it would be worth it. Mm-hmm. Totally. I understand that. I. It's funny that you say you're not an author, yet here we have your book. So yeah. I guess you have to own it, Jody. I think you're going to have to. <laughs> um, your title. And again, you know, I didn't write it. I just spoke. It, it's just mm-hmm. talking that's being recorded and then we transcribed mm-hmm. it. That's it. We didn't, we didn't really change. It's just me babbling. <laughs> so I felt like I sat down and I wrote down some ideas or, Hey, I'm going to tell this story. It really wasn't. Mm. Carol and I just, Mm. we just talked on the phone for four hours, five hours a day for several months. And Mm. it's just that they transcribed that poor Tyndale. Mm. I can't imagine they had to do that transcription. That must've been ridiculous. 
Um, and then we, we tweaked mostly clearing up the fact that I use the same four words over and over and over again. Wonderful, fantastic, <laughs> amazing. You know, like I say, they're like, we have to change up some of these words. And I said, well, make sure it's words that I say. I mean, I don't want to put words in here. Mm-hmm. So it was constantly going, no, Carol, we can't use that word. Don't even know what it means. Nope. Can't use that <laughs> word. <laughs> Got to get rid of that. So. Oh my goodness. That's such a crazy process. Um, well, I'm so glad that you did agree to say yes, because what an amazing story. And for those of us who have been fans, and of course, The Little Mermaid is just one of my favorite movies of all time. And I've told you, we we talked earlier and I told you that Ariel is my very favorite Disney princess for obvious reasons for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I've always loved her and I can remember The Little Mermaid came out when I was in college and I can remember going and seeing the movie in the theater and just being blown away because it was the first of kind of the new Disney princesses, right? Give us a little background to that. Yeah, we had Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella. And then since Cinderella, we did not have a a Disney princess until Ariel. So she kind of broke the mold. You know, we went way out of the box with Ariel. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so it just was trying to capture who she was in, in her vulnerability and her rebellious spirit and her independent fiery, you know, personality that she had. And it really is, it's all Howard Ashman. It really is. I mean, they found who Ariel was through the song part of your world and that recording of Howard doing that song with his speak, sing sort of way of storytelling through um, word that turns into some music was just Mm. breathtaking. So I literally just, copied him. I literally just imitated him. We'd be in the studio hour after hour and I wasn't getting something. And I'd look to him and of course we had just done a Broadway show together for like three or four years. So we knew each other. I knew how to work with him. My directors of of Mermaid, Ron and John, were kind enough to let Howard step in the booth and stand in the booth with me silent um, in between takes to be my personal director because they knew that we had such a great working relationship. But Sometimes it would be, you know, take after take. And I finally, I would look at him. I'm like, Howard, just give me the line reading. You know yeah. what you want. Just say it. And I'm going to repeat it. And we're going to make this so much easier. It's like, <laughs> well, I don't like to tell actors what to do. I said, I don't care. You're not going to hurt my feelings. I don't need to find Ariel. You've mm. already found her. So why mm. don't I just do what you did? You know, so mm. it just make common sense to me. Yeah, that's so crazy. I just, I can... You know, often we see people who go on this journey, you know, they say yes to a project that turns into a life-changing project. And of course, you never could have seen that. Mm -hmm. Um, Really, your career since playing Ariel, she's just kind of gone along with you for the ride for the rest of your career. How does that feel? It's awesome. You know, every job, every experience, every opportunity I've had since Mermaid is because of my relationship to Mermaid. Uh, to the character, with the company, being part of the Disney family, and and I'm very proud of it. You know, sometimes people say, oh, don't you feel locked in and, like, stuck being a voice of a cartoon? I'm like, are you kidding <laughs> me? I mean, I have the greatest job on earth, and I mm-hmm. love my job. I love the film. I love the character. I love meeting people all around the world who want to share their stories with me. Um, and I like meeting people and I like people and I like children. So it's just a, it's been a perfect lifelong passion ministry for me for 35 years. Hmm. 
That's just so cool. And I'm sure encouraging to people out there, especially who are performers and maybe going to an audition that they think this might not pan out to be much, but it'll pay the bills. Right. <laughs> what right. would you say to them? Yeah. You know what? You have no idea what's around the corner. Mm. And, and as much as we try to figure it all out, we are not always in control. And I know that's mm. very hard for us to realize, <laughs> but I'm telling you, the times when I'd walk into an audition and I stink up the room, I was horrible. I, I forgot my lyrics. I sounded crappy and I get the call <laughs> that I got the job, but then I go to the job and it's ending up like you meet your best friend or yeah. you, meet, you meet the love of your life. You just don't really know what's around the corner. And it's not mm. always about the show. It's about the experience. It's about the people. It's about the relationships. It's about the, the amazing encounters that you mm. have. Um, I've learned that through the years of being in the, in the industry professionally now for, I don't know, 42 years, I guess. Mm. And that it's not about the job. It's about yeah. all the other things circling around it that you just don't know what's around the corner. So when you walk in a room or you go to an audition and you think, oh, this is nothing. This is, I mean, I listen, I went to Mermaid. It was a fluke because our show on Broadway of Smile had closed tragically with Frank Rich reviews from New York Times and Howard felt sorry for us girls. And so he invited a handful of us to have something to do, something to look forward to, to go to this audition for The Little Mermaid. And I wasn't going to get the job. It was just something to do when we were all sad. And so I just went like, okay, I'm going to go. And I just had the time of my life knowing that there's no hmm. way they're going to hire somebody who's never been behind a microphone before like this. There's just no hmm. way. And a year later, I got a call from my agent, you know, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, they've made <laughs> a serious mistake in hiring me. Um, hmm. And I had that. I really felt that when I went to work the first day. I mean, I told Howard, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why you hired me. I am not good professional voiceover person. I don't even know what to do. Um, and of course, I kept hitting the mic, hitting the mic with my hands, talking, <laughs> standing up and acting everything out and making, you know, air go across the microphone. I mean, those poor engineers would be like, okay, Jody, could you please not touch the mic? Okay, just try put your hands to your side. I'm like, well, I can't talk like that. You could talk like that. So, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I walked mm -hmm. in like, I, first of all, I was brutally honest with everybody at Merman. I don't know what I'm doing and I've never done this before. Mm -hmm. So here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Did you have moments where you felt time for a quick break to talk about McDonald's? Listen up, McNugget fans. Now you can get a 20-piece Chicken McNuggets with a basket of fries for $8. That's a whole lot of food for a little price. Be sure to get extra dipping sauce. Speaking of extra, you can add on a frozen beverage like a frozen Coca-Cola, any size, for just $1.49. Hurry to McDonald's and get this great deal. Or save time and order ahead on the McDonald's app. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. You know how we we can get. So I have I've done a little bit of singing, a little bit of acting. I say very little bit because compared to you, it's nothing. But I have been in the studio a few times, and it's so easy to get in your head if you're not doing what you're asked to do. It's repeated over and over. It's so easy to get in a bad place in your head. Right. So how did you stay above that? Do you ever have moments like that? I think for me, because I'd never done it before, I approached it like a Broadway musical. 
And that was my, my zone. So that's what Howard and I did. And that's why we did a read through with all of the cast, you know, beforehand, a round table, like getting ready to do a Broadway musical. We just approached it like a Broadway show. And that's the beauty of blending that world with feature animation. Disney had never seen anything like that before. Yeah. So it was my wheelhouse. It, it's what I knew to do. That's why I stood. And it's why I physically acted out every single scene as if mm -hmm. I were on stage. Mm -hmm. So I never thought about being on a mic. It just mm -hmm. was there. I had my eyes closed. I was fully acting everything out physically. Um, and so that really helped me to stay present in the moment of the story. I love that. I'd love to hear a little bit about your faith journey. So let's just start back from when you were a child and let our listeners know, did you grow up in a Christian home? How did you actually meet Jesus? Yeah, I, I actually had a relationship with God when I was very little. I remember talking out loud to him all the time and really feeling like he heard me. Then I went to Catholic school um, and church from first through 12th hmm. with uniforms and the whole nine yards. Uh, that's the way my parents wanted my sister and I to go to a parochial school. I don't think the public schools in our town uh, were, were quite what they had hoped for, I think. And mm -hmm. so I had a very good education from first grade through 12th grade. Um, hated wearing the uniforms, but it did make life easier <laughs> every day. You didn't have to worry yeah. about what you were going to wear. That's and, right. Um, and so I think I, <laughs> when I was in middle school, I got very involved with all the sacraments and learning about the Catholic faith. And I loved doing the Stations of the Cross before Easter. And we had these very old church that I went to growing up in Illinois. And we had these beautiful paintings. And you go and you, you pray and you contemplate the life of Jesus from his mm. birth to his resurrection. And it really impacted me. And I just fell in love with this concept of like, there is this you know, amazing God and Jesus, his son, and I can have this relationship and I can talk. Well, then I started going to confession in the little yeah. box. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the little box talking to the priest, go say four Hail Marys. And I try to come up with a list of my sins. Of course, you don't remember anything when you're 10, 11, 12. <laughs> I cursed under my breath once. I thought of my girl, my, you know, my best friend, I didn't, I thought a bad thought that I was mad at her. You know, you come up with these silly mm -hmm. little things and I go say yeah. my three Hail Marys and my two Our Fathers. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to talk to God. So mm -hmm. I started to just do confession on my own every day, right when it would happen. Cause I couldn't mm -hmm. remember, you know, twice a month, mm -hmm. my list. So I started doing this and then I stopped going to the box. And then it was like, why isn't Jody going to the box? Mm -hmm. So I had a little, you know, I had had a meeting with a nun and a priest. And I just sat there and I told him, I'm like, Father Wentick, I, I don't really understand why I have to talk to you. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm good. Like, Jesus and I, we're, we're communicating very clearly to each other. I yeah. talk, he hears me, 
and I hear him. I hear him inside my heart. Mm. I mean, I'm telling him this and he's just looking at me like, you need to go to confessional. You have to go to confessional. <laughs> and like, I still don't understand. He goes, you just mm. asked too many questions. <laughs> you you were one of those. She just asked too many questions. Jody is, she's just too much, too many questions. Mm. So I had to start going back to the box, but it's at that time, you know, at like nine, 10 and 11 that I was like, and it's interesting because at nine, my sister, who's six years older than I am, taught me how to play the six string folk guitar. And mm-hmm. she and I could harmonize as soprano. She's an alto. And we played mm-hmm. for the guitar mass at our church. And I was mm-hmm. nine and we'd lead worship. And mm-hmm. I was just, man, I was in it. And I just really feel like because I was worshiping and I really meant it, I just felt like it just opened this very clear relationship based on solid communication. Mm. So I just didn't quite understand some of the um, protocol for mm. the Catholic faith. <laughs> yeah, I can <laughs> I like, imagine. Wait a minute. I don't understand that. <laughs> yeah, yeah so I can imagine. Really early, definitely. So how, as you became a performer, you know, as you grew into adulthood and started auditioning and you found you had a gift, how did that connect you with your creator? And did you feel, um, you know, that famous quote by the, I can't remember his name now, but he, in the movie Chariots of Fire, when he said, I, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Yeah. Feel closer Do to you God. feel yeah. that way yes. when you sing? Yeah, tell me about that. I think I started singing when I was four and, and it was a natural gift. And when I sing, um, I am, I go to a different zone when I Mm -hmm. sing. It's hard to describe. It's, it's not like an out of body thing, but it's like this pure connection that I have an audience of one. Mm -hmm. And it's like a form of worship almost for me. And I get lost in the song and I kind of forget that there's 18,000 people staring mm. at me while I'm singing. Wow. I just go to a place of pure fulfillment. And it's that concentric, you know, you've got those three circles. You've got what you're passionate about, what you're gifted at, and then pay your bills. And mm. when you get all three of those in that sweet spot, and once I figured that sweet spot out when I was 17, 18, when I started working professionally, it was like nothing, you know, mm. and it, it's not about being rich, being famous. No, no, no. Pay your bills. Just be able to pay your bills. Doing mm. what you love to do. That was yeah. really important to me. That was mm. really important to me. I didn't really care how. I just needed to be able to share my gift and be able to eat and sleep and, you know, put some clothes on my back. Um, and, and that was that. So mm-hmm. still to this day, when I sing and when I'm behind the mic in the middle of a script, it's happening right now while we're doing uh, season one. We're finishing season one of Wing, Fe- Wing Feather Saga. It's so hard for me to say. Mm-hmm. Wing Feather Saga, which are the, <laughs> the children's books. And I play the mother, Nia. Oh, mm-hmm. just an incredible character. And she sings. And so when I get behind the mic, um, and of course, there's, you know, eight people on Zoom watching me. There's an engineer watching me. Everybody's watching me. And mm-hmm. I just go to a different place and I, hmm. I don't know, I just get lost in the script and song. That is so beautiful. I love hearing you talk it about is, that. It's really joyful and it's very fulfilling. Mm. It's a really great feeling of like, and my daughter just expressed it the other day. She's at CCM BFA Musical Theater in her senior year. 
and okay. she was sharing a song with her class. And, um, and it has these beautiful high C's in it. And Vicki even has a high E flat. She's got an incredible voice, 10 times better singer than I am. Wow. Just an incredible voice. And she said, Mom, it happened. And I'm like, what? She said, that thing you talk about. I got into the song. I forgot mm. I was in the room. I didn't care about impressing anybody. I didn't care if the notes were perfect. I didn't worry about, am I placing it right? Am I singing it right? Mm. Am I getting it right? I went to the place of pure joy in mm. sharing a story through song. And I got that feeling that you talk about. I was like, mm. That's awesome. That's awesome at 21. I said, that's awesome to detach from teachers evaluating you, Mm -hmm. music teacher, acting teacher, fellow students, whatever. She goes, no, I just went to this place of pure joy Mm -hmm. and I was in the song, in the character, in the moment. I I don't even know if I hit the right notes, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I, I don't even know if I sang all the right lyrics but I was in the zone and it was joyful. I was like, yeah, that's the zone. That's it. So when, whatever the gift is for the person, whatever mm-hmm. it is, once they find that passion and then the natural set of gifts that God's given them, whatever it is, mm-hmm. they get that sweet spot. And it is, oh gosh, it's unbelievable. I love that. I think it's so hard to rise above the criticism or even just the, the critical, uh, way that people can sometimes visualize us. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for someone who's feeling a little bogged down in the, maybe feeling judged? Get away from social media. Mm. That's, that's a real, real toxic. It can be very toxic. I use it for work because I have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but my kids take um, social media Sabbaths frequently, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like several months at a time. I think social media for young people, especially those that are suffering from pandemic anxiety, the Mm. ones that graduated from high school into college where the rug was pulled up from underneath their lives on March 13th, like both my kids. Yeah. um, They went through a lot. I mean, their worlds were turned upside down much more than mine. When you're Mm. at that launching point where they both were with, with college and, and graduation and, starting to do your journey professionally while you're in college, which is different than high school, that group of kids suffered so much pandemic anxiety. And I just think that, um, yeah, yeah, that was hard. That was really, really hard times. And, and it's so valuable for, for at least for our kids, you know, for my kids was to, get down to the basics of I've got this natural set of gifts that God's given me. I'm just going to have to be patient and figure out how and why and when and where he's going to use this special skill set. Yeah. Character building, even though it's hard to recognize that in the time it really was. And, you know, speaking of the pandemic, one of the things I think that's so beautiful that came out of it was the ingenuity that we saw, especially yeah. out of our creative community Yes, and, oh, uh, you yeah. know, all the songs written and all the, yeah. you know, scripts written or whatever. What right. did you do during that time to keep using your gift, but also to, to just help others and reach out? Well, um, March 13th, my husband was just in three weeks of recovery from quintuple open heart bypass surgery. Mm. So March 14th, both of the kids came home 
they both packed up their apartments and their dorm by themselves and came home. And we had a really sweet, precious time as a family. Mm-hmm. And we had from March until August with our daughter, which was just glorious. Mm-hmm. But it's also the time that Tyndale called, which was another reason why I said no. Yeah. I said, I'm not going to be one of these people that's lost. I lost all my work for 20 and half of 21. Hmm. Uh, and I'm not going to be one of these people that's going to write a book when they're unemployed. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> that's ridiculous. And, um, and they had asked me before the pandemic, but then they knew that I wasn't traveling every week. So that's mm-hmm. when they kept calling and calling and calling. So while we had the kids home until August, um, I was in the thick of, of recordings for the mm. book. Yeah, but I got lots of great family time, lots of hikes. <laughs> we, were, we were on a lake, so it was perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had McKenzie, you know, we had McKenzie at that time, my, my son's girlfriend, they've since married. Um, and Delaney's boyfriend. And so it was the six of us that just kind of potted up with mm-hmm. uh, Mackenzie's family and Hayes's family. And so we, uh, we were on the boat, we were in the pool, we were uh, learning pickleball as a family, <laughs> going hiking and biking and everything outdoor that we could, we made sure mm-hmm. to get outside every single day mm-hmm. uh, in the afternoon to get healthy and, and not go crazy. Right. Uh, we turned, uh, I'm in my studio, but this was my school room. So mm-hmm. this is where I homeschooled both of the kids for 17 years. So mm-hmm. we, uh, the kids turned this into a studio. McKinley's a filmmaker. And of course, then Delaney started doing all of her dance classes and her acting classes here in the studio. And then my yeah. daughter, Love, is a professional fashion photographer for Stitch Fix. So this was her photo yeah. studio as well. So we just got as creative as we could to, mm-hmm. um, to make home a wonderful place. And we had a really glorious time as a family. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, I'd love to hear even now, how, how many years later since the Little Mermaid premiered? Uh, 89. So yes. I think we're at 32, or 33, <laughs> 9, 10, 11, 12. We're at yes. 33. I've been with the company for 35 and a half. So tell me what, what is your work life like? Do you make appearances as Ariel? Do you, no, I mean, I'm obviously I'm, I know you're not in costume, I'm but costume, which is great. Um, yeah. So my bookings right now are symphonies, concerts. Uh, mm. I do a lot of, um, all of the special projects for Disney. So mm. whether it's corporate, whether it's cruise ship, I just christened, uh, wish and did yes. the cruise and then did the maiden voyage. So I christened all our ships. I actually saw that on the news, you know, that's local, local news for me. And so, yes. And I saw that on, uh, that you were there and I thought, oh, she's coming on my show. (laughs) Yeah. So fun. Uh, Did back to back cruises, got off, got Mm -hmm. tested, went back and went on to the next maiden voyage. So I do all their special corporate events. Um, Mm -hmm. Everything that they need me for, I'm either at Disneyland or Disney World, which is great. Yeah. And then symphonies and concerts in between. And then I have a very rigorous Comic-Con convention schedule. Oh, gosh. That's, that's so great. And we're making up for a lot of lost time. Yeah, so I can I'm, imagine. I'm going to try to do as many of them as I can. I'm doing a mm-hmm. lot of internationals, and that takes up a little bit more time to, to travel distance to England and, you know, Europe, um, doing Canada a lot. But 2023 is it's pretty much every other week. Um 
Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it's good. Yeah. No complaints, you know, because I had those 18 months off, which was really lovely. Mm-hmm. And again, getting creative, doing a lot of virtual stuff, um, virtual meet and greets, virtual concerts. Mm-hmm. It was really fun. We did had a lot of creative and it was great that I had a filmmaker and a photographer in our family that could take care of all the technical aspects for me, which was wonderful. <laughs> Absolutely. That's awesome. What a blessing. Mm-hmm. Well, I would love to know, you know, many people hear you and listen to you and maybe even are listening to this episode and thinking, man, she really just followed her dreams and became a big Disney star. And now she's the rest of her life, you know, it was all written for her. But maybe there are some dreams that people have that they have not followed. And I would love for you just to give an encouragement to them about, you know, walking in obedience and taking the next step. When I work with master classes virtually or in person with high school and college students, this is a topic that I talk about a lot because it's something that it's really life changing. And again, finding your personal skill, your natural giftedness is so important to do that homework, but you can't want, want someone else's gift set. Mm. That's where the compare and compete comes into play. That's where social media is very toxic. Yeah. It shows us the falsehood of this is the path of giftedness. This is the place, the entertainment industry or whatever. When a, a student is not naturally gifted in any of that area, but they have this incredible skill set in the medical field or the research field or the communication field or the math and business field, all of those right. things that I cannot do. Mm-hmm. I am not gifted in any of those things. So wanting someone else's gift is not healthy. Mm. That's a compare and compete. That's very toxic that we've gotten sucked into with social media, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. So I think to take a student, a young person, and then figure out the natural skill set and that what you naturally care about, what you're passionate about, whether it's education, whether it's caring for other people, whether it's the environment, whether it is a form of entertainment, whether it's music, whatever it is, whether it's Mm -hmm. painting and blending those two worlds together. That's when you've got to jump off the deep end and free fall and not be afraid to fail. Try everything. I mean, those are the years, high school and college, those are, those are the years to try everything and fail forward fail moving forward. Just do Mm. the next small step. Mm. I did an audition for Mermaid thinking it was going to change my life for the next 36 years. Mm -hmm. I got an audition because he felt sorry for me. And I went to the audition so that I could get my mind off of losing my job. And I went and I had fun and I walked Mm. out of the room. That was the next right step for me. Mm -hmm. But we had no idea what one little step can lead to. You know, I feel like God gives us a flashlight. And I use this analogy because a friend shared it with me. When you are, let's say you're hiking and the sun has set and it's pretty dark. You put your little camera phone on or whatever to get back to the car. And you flash the flashlight, but you only have enough light for the next step. Not for four feet ahead of you. Not for four walking strides ahead of you. Just one step. Mm. I feel like that's God sometimes. Because we can't Mm. handle knowing too much. We just Mm. can't. If I would have walked in that room all those years ago thinking, 
oh my gosh, I'm going to walk in this room and this job is going to identify me Mm -hmm. for the next 36 years. I wouldn't have walked in the door Hmm. because it wasn't theater. Yeah. So, you know, there are paths and there are Mm -hmm. journeys. and That's the thing. We've got to be willing to take the chances and get outside of our comfort zone. We also have to stop putting everything into a tiny little box. God is so much bigger than that. And Mm -hmm. had I walked in that door and he knew I couldn't handle that information. Right. But here, one little audition behind a microphone has changed my whole life and my family's. Mm -hmm. It's changed everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Was it the trajectory that I was on? No. Mm -hmm. I had a plan. I'm right. going to just stay on Broadway. I'm just going to do theater. I'm, 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 I'm. Mm-hmm. Guess what? There was a whole bigger world out there that I would have mm-hmm. missed if I just kept closing the door on the little box. Mm-hmm. We just can't fathom what's around the corner. So to encourage kids, those are the, the skills I tell them. Find your natural giftedness. Find out what you're passionate about. And then go for it. And take failing steps moving forward. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid. You know, you got to go for it because you don't want to have regrets. I'm 60 years old. I don't have regrets. Mm -hmm. I have things I've made a lot of mistakes about, but I've learned a lot from my mistakes. Mm -hmm. Would I want to go back and repeat them? Some of the hard times? No, but what came from it is beauty from ashes. Mm -hmm. And for that, I have no regrets. So I can honestly say, I don't have regrets, but I know people. I do know a lot of people. You know, the percentage is, and I don't know what it is currently now with the pandemic, but before the pandemic, it was something like 90 to 92% of most Americans are in a job that they hate. Mm -hmm. Could you imagine working for 40 or 50 years in a job that you hate? Mm. I can't even fathom it. And that, that feels like a jail to me. Yeah. I mean, that's not fathomable to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. So when I was 17 or 18, I'm like, I'm going to go for this. I don't know if I'm any good, but I'm going to just give it a try. And if I yeah. fail, I'll try something else. It yeah. wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's a season. You can change your mind. You don't have to do the same thing for 40 years. You really that's don't. Right. You really don't when people are like, oh, I'm trapped in this. I'm like, are you really though? I mean, yeah. Will it be a financial change? Sure. But could you Mm -hmm. make the sacrifice for a little transition to give it a try? Mm -hmm. You might surprise yourself. So That's right. I think dreaming big and outside of the box is really important for young people. But I think social media has curtailed that because of fear of failure, Mm. the fear of rejection. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, the pressure, the pressure yeah. is so great now. Yeah. I didn't have anybody watching me fail. My every move. Right. I know it's so okay. different now, right? Yeah. What you ate for breakfast, what you mm-hmm. wore that day. I mean, nobody knew <laughs> any of that stuff. I would go to an audition and stink up the room. Nobody knew. Just Nobody me. knew unless you told them. Yeah. yeah. There wasn't a camera around the corner going, oh, listen to Jody. She sounds like crap. And then yeah. let's show it to, you know, 10,000 people. Yeah. So people are afraid. They're afraid, mm-hmm. you know, afraid left and right. Like all my failures are going to be publicized. Mm-hmm. 
Hence, let's use a filter. Hence, let's change what we look like. It's not even mm -hmm. who we really look like, but who I really look like isn't good enough. You know, we get into this yeah. whole mindset. It's very dangerous. It is. It is. Well, I love what you said about just really holding it loosely, you know, going for it, but holding it loosely because God might have another plan. And yeah. I mean, that's exactly my story. I had no idea I would end up being a podcaster. <laughs> so yeah, it's just, it's, it's pretty fun. It's a wild ride, but when you just walk in obedience, it's going to be a, a, a good one. <laughs> right. yeah. There's an adventure, you know, adventure. I love it. Around that you don't have to, don't have to have a plan for just go with yeah. it see what happens. I love it. Thank you, Jody Benson. Thank you so much, Angie, for having me. I really appreciate it. And all the best to you and all of your followers and your listeners. And, and uh, just have a really blessed day. Chatology is a production of Ivy Media Podcast, produced and edited by Lainey Thomas, music by the maestro himself, Robert Elkins, and I'm your host, Angie Elkins, and I'm so glad you joined me today. Remember, share this episode with your friends and family and start a conversation that matters. Time for a quick break to talk about McDonald's. Listen up, McNugget fans. Now you can get a 20-piece Chicken McNuggets with a basket of fries for $8. That's a whole lot of food for a little price. Be sure to get extra dipping sauce. Speaking of extra, you can add on a frozen beverage like a frozen Coca-Cola, any size, for just $1.49. Hurry to McDonald's and get this great deal. Or save time and order ahead on the McDonald's app. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.